Howdy, folks. This is Scott Parker, and you're listening to another episode of Keep the Dream Flowing, a Woodstock 1969 podcast. And joining us today is a guy that I think we can all say is one of our freaking heroes because, you know, like we get on this show, we geek out and we do, you know, we talk Woodstock trivia and we talk with the performers and we talk with, you know, people who were there and the people who are on the crew and all this other stuff. But there's one man in the world that I can think of who knows more about Woodstock than anybody else on this planet. And I'm pretty sure that that's the case. He's shaking his head right now. So <laughs> we've waited a long time to get him on the show. But you you all know him as the Woodstock Whisperer, but um, he's our friend. You know him. You love him. Mr. Jim Shelley. Hey! Thank you. Yay! Thank you very much. Glad, Thank you. Glad to get you on. Happy to be here. See, that's rolling out the red carpet. See, <laughs> a, a very red carpet. <laughs> Actually, it's not a red carpet. It's a tie-dye carpet. Oh, it's a tie-dye ah, carpet. Well, that, that, that's a that's a bit of Woodstock haze. And maybe, having said Woodstock haze, uh, I'm not sure how you do it on a podcast. We should have a moment of respect and silence for the late, great Charlie, the mayor Maloney. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I was yep. just going to say that when you brought up tie dye, Charlie would be very quick to correct that and say stripes won the day. That's there exactly was very right. Very little tie dye at yes. Woodstock. That's right. It's true. Yeah, That's but, that people think that there is in, in the movie taking Woodstock, you see a whole lot more tie dye than was actually there that day. But it was all stripes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, was. was, there wasn't a lot. Of, there wasn't a lot of tie. If you look at the movie, there wasn't a lot of tie dye. Right now. Right. Yeah. The performers had more tie dye than than the crowd did. Yeah, really. Yes. And possibly more tie stick. <laughs> Jeez, I hope so. <laughs> but Charlie, yeah, we we've been meaning to talk about Charlie on the show. This is a good opportunity to talk about it because yeah, yeah. I, I miss that man so much. And he was just the face of, you know, the, the local contingent of Woodstock nation up there. He really was. And he, you know, he was just a, a wonder to behold, you know, to see him in action. And he was always there with a smile and a hug and everything. And he, he was, you know, every time you saw him up there, he treated you like, you were his long lost brother and all this other stuff. And, and he was I, always there. He was, he was always he there. Was. Constantly there. He moved I mean, you from know. Boston to be there. Yes. Yeah. I mean, when he passed away, Bethel Woods did actually acknowledge his, his passing. So that, that tells you how important he was. And right. Go for I it. wish I could have met Jim. I talked with him, you know, via oh, Charlie. Facebook. Yeah. Charlie. Via, I talked to him via Facebook messenger but i wish i could have met him but i never was able to do that well back back in the day when i was allowed to share my facebook posts yeah um, <laughs> um i uh i would i i would get up in the morning i i get up early no matter what but i get up early i'd come to the computer i'd look at what day what day it was and what posts i have yeah. for that day i have a whole sheet yep. for every month april whatever and these are the posts I'm going to put up for that day. They're, they usually are tied to the date in one way or yeah. another. Right. But I would want to make sure I got them up in time. Because if I didn't, I'd get a message from Charlie saying, what's, what's going <laughs> on? Where, where are you? And so my mornings have literally changed completely yeah. since he passed. Well, that's a, I, I started sharing the posts only after I saw Charlie doing it because I really didn't like for the reason that Jack was saying before, I didn't want to like steal your thunder. I always did it with oh, credit, yeah. of course. And it was obvious that yeah. I was sharing it. Right. But yeah. um, but I never wanted to, you know, but then when Charlie started to do it, I was like, OK, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I can't say that stuff better. I mean, really, you have that's everything right. down to the most minute of details. And it's, you know, well, that it really was, is something. Charlie came up with the phrase Woodstock Hayes. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we didn't realize we needed a phrase for the tours mm -hmm. and, and he came up with it and we realized it's the perfect phrase. It's, it's not meant to tell people on the, on the tours that, you know, what, you know, is wrong. Yeah. It, it, it's more to just be gently saying, well, everybody thinks this, 
Mm-hmm. Whereas it's it's more this than that, you know, mm-hmm. having even something as simple as as everyone wearing tie dye. Yeah, um, that just, you know, it's not the case, but it's easy to think that it um, is. Well, the, the tie dye thing is more deadhead community. Yes. You know, yeah. Yeah. Really, that's that's more associated with that. But see, if you're that, you know, if people lump you know, Woodstock hippies, quote unquote, and deadheads all in the same category. And it's actually very different tribes. Very much so. <laughs> very much so. Because I've, I've, had, had, I've had guests come to the museum who mm. attended Woodstock. Yep. This is their first time back. And, and this one fellow last year came up to me and said, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know if what I'm remembering at this point. So now we're talking about 51 years later. I don't yeah. know if I'm re- what I'm remembering now is what I remember from being here mm-hmm. or what I've seen in the movie a hundred times. <laughs> yep. You know, it's, it's all become one thing for him. And I can understand that for a lot of people, you know. Sure. We've talked about that, especially recently on the show, because the more you talk to people, the more you realize that um, their memories are tied more to the movie because you could relive that all the time. Yeah. Yes. And um, there are people. Um, like Stephen Brown is a good example of this, who, whose memories are very sharp. And there are people like um, the, the guy whose journal I have a copy of here um, where he was writing everything down in real time as he was going. But um, unless you get that, you know, I mean, you know, Steve, Steve Brown had the advantage of not doing any drugs that weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, country, country Joe for 50 years thought he played on Friday. Right. Yeah. And he also thought Michael Shreve was 17 years old. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I've, I've gotten into I've, I, I have gotten into mild yeah, not arguments, but disagreements. Right. People say Michael Shreve was 17. I'm like, no, he wasn't. No. He wasn't even he wasn't even the youngest drummer at Woodstock. But, you know, that that's I don't know. No. So, <laughs> Well, so things you, get said and they become established, and that's sure. how it yeah. happens. Well, that so goes you, back but, to uh, the man who shot Liberty Valens when the legend. Yeah. <laughs> the legend. yeah. Yep. So, but, but you attended Woodstock, correct, Jim? Yeah, uh, yes, I did. Saturday and uh, a piece of Sunday. Ah. Where were you from originally? Where I am sitting right now, Cliffside Park, New Jersey. Really? Oh, so you were you were fairly close. Yeah. Well, it depends how you're getting there. Well, yeah, getting, that's true. <laughs> if yeah. you're getting you're not there, far from 17, and you just take 17 North, right? Yeah. And and so I was on the New York Thruway on oh, Friday night yep. when uh, probably around the same time that Arlo Guthrie is announcing that the Thruway is closed, closed, <laughs> which is a bit of Woodstock haze. Yep, <laughs> not literally closed, but. You know, yeah. there are sections of the highway that are, you know, might as well be. So, oh, yeah. Well, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, once you get up to, you know, once you get up 17 north, you know, close to 17 B. Yeah, it's a parking lot. But yes. Yeah. The yeah. New York State Thruway is kind of a little far from there. So. 45. It's about 45 miles. <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> well, I, I just heard somebody and I won't mention who on one of your podcasts recently talk Uh-oh. about people getting off the thruway and parking their car and walking. Yeah. And I'm thinking they didn't walk 45 miles. No, yeah. <laughs> no, they didn't. They got off probably at 17 and walked yeah. in. A lot of people did that. that. That's basically what I did. We, my friend Tony and I, we went up on Friday night for Saturday's show and I, I, I wasn't writing it down. <laughs> so, but we got up there in the middle of the night on Friday night. So it's either late Friday night or early Saturday morning. And we pull off, we get out of the car. It's Tony's car. Yep. And uh, I asked somebody, what's going on? Do you know what's happening? And some people were literally, some people are telling me, oh, I heard it's canceled, man. And other people are telling me, no, 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 it's still on. Now, nobody knows. There's no way of yes. knowing. Yep. So we just we slept in the car. You had a device that would give you news right in your pocket. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's what I say on my tour sometimes that uh, uh, Woodstock Ventures was not tweeting out the status of what's happening on. You know, stay away, stay away. (laughs) Woodstock could not have been Woodstock with these things. Trust me. No, no. (laughs) No way. Ah, so you so you got there for Saturday morning? 
Yeah, we walked well. in. We got up. We got up early Saturday morning. Walked in. Uh, I had borrowed my girlfriend's father's thirty-five millimeter camera. Ah. I put yep. in a, a roll of Kodachrome, mm-hmm. which I I sometimes have to explain to people, but we we'll leave it at that. Yep. And I also borrowed his binoculars, and I brought my uh, sleeping bag and some money, and we started walking in on Saturday morning. And I guess we got to the site, oh, 10.30 or so, maybe 11 on Saturday, probably, probably like t- closer to 10, 10.30. Yeah. Because I know I okay. had to wait a little while before Quill came on, the first band yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. Right. But it was a beautiful day. As soon as the fog burned off Saturday morning, it was a typical Sullivan County Saturday morning. Uh, it was a beautiful day. You know, and again, that's to use the phrase Woodstock Hayes. A lot of people think it rained the whole weekend. It, it, not. it, it did not. It did not. Here's no, the, here's for the oh, most sorry. part. Saturday was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And, and even Saturday night, I think Saturday night, there may have been a little bit of a passing shower, but mm-hmm. not Sunday afternoon after Joe Cocker. That's the that was the That's the downpour. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, you must have split before that or during it. <laughs> just, just after it. Just, just after, after it. it. Yeah. Because again, Tony, so we saw Joe Cocker yep. and then the rainstorm, the monsoon. Yeah. It comes. <laughs> and uh, so we're looking at each other and we haven't really eaten because, you know, we brought money to buy it with. So. <laughs> and well, we're, we're 19 years old. Sure. Yeah. How so would you know? we, we can handle that. Yep. And, and uh, and the, the, the advantage of not having eaten is not having to use the facilities. Yes. Which you <laughs> and, would not uh, have wanted to do anyway. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I would have held it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so our, our sleeping bags are soaking wet. We're soaking wet. You know, we have a whole night ahead of us if we do decide to stay. And so we said, we have to go back. We can't stay. So yeah. we, I mean, we knew Hendrix we'd miss, the band we'd miss, 10 years after we'd miss, uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, who we didn't know Young was going to be there either. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. so we knew we were going to miss people that we had really hoped to see, but we left. Now, we weren't the only ones, obviously, because on Monday morning, when Hendrix finally comes on, they estimate 30, 40,000 people there. Tops. So, yep. so I asked people, so where did, you know... 400,000 people go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, my, I had to go home. I had to go to work, you know, because I was working that summer. And, yeah. and, my, and my sense is that that's where everybody went. You know, I had, to, I had to get dad's car back. Otherwise he'd kill me because that's who was there that weekend. Sure. Those, those people were there. You remember uh, Valerie Jean Cooper and from the information booth. And oh. she sang, she, she lost her sister because her sister was on mescaline. She lost her. Yeah. She said, I, you know, I wouldn't care except that she has to go to court on Monday. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Up in Buffalo. So that's, you know, oh. that's a good five hour drive or something. At least. Yeah. About 30 hours, at least. 30 hours straight. No naps. No naps. Are you on speed? No.
Mass. I'm like I lost her during Richie Haven's performance. I don't, and like, you know, like I got her tickets home. Like I haven't seen her since, you know. Sure she is. It's just that I'd like to see her, you know, so I can get home in time, because like she's got to be back Monday for court. You know, otherwise, you know, I wouldn't care. Otherwise, I'd probably let her hitch home. So. Screaming Gene. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I never got... I thought, I thought everybody saw Shauna Nan said, that's it. I've seen everything I could possibly <laughs> see about. That's another thing you hear, you know, like people thinking that that was a hallucination, but that could have been. <laughs> now, that's possible if you see some of the, the reaction shots in the crowd. Right. You know, right. What the hell is this? But all right, it, was a, it was a long weekend. Yeah, I'll see it. See, but but allow me to uh, allow me to make this point. Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention were doing Sha Na Na before Sha Na Na was Sha Na Na. That's so, right. That's right. <laughs> I have to represent because I got my Frank on. I, I noticed your freak out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Always have my Frank. But um, so that so you got to see, you know, basically every. You know, if there was a time at Woodstock where I would have wanted to be, if I could choose nothing else, it would be Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. Hand heat and the dead. But, you know, the Janice and the who God help me. Sly. Sly, of course. Yeah. Yeah. The airplane, you know, the airplane was vicious at Woodstock. That might have been one of the best sets they ever played. It really was. It really was. And, you know, I, I obviously had heard of the airplane and I was familiar with some of their stuff, but I was not familiar with them live. Yeah. You know, and and oh, my goodness, they they blew it away there. They really did. They really I, I think there's something to the idea that because they followed the who they played that much harder because uh, the who had been so, you know, amped up slash electrifying slash pissed off. <laughs> they did get paid he, he, they did they did get paid yeah. though they made tisha cry <laughs> yeah or tisha agri they uh, made her cry but uh but they got paid so <laughs> them and the dead got paid did you of course we have this is the traditional keep the dream flowing question did you see abby hoffman get his ass kicked at woodstock yes i did but <laughs> but 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 the 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 not the Woodstock haze about it, but it, it sort of has become that's the story. Legend. Before the Who came on, and I also remember this very clearly, he came out with permission mm-hmm. and and gave his spiel then. Yep. Yeah. And and then so it, it's it's I know he obviously came on during the Who set and deservedly got kicked off. But why he did that, I'm not quite sure why he would have done that again, so to speak. You know, after yeah. because nobody talks about or seems to remember him coming out legitimately uh, before the Who came on, and yeah. and and thank heavens for the for the uh, the set of all the the complete uh, uh, Woodstock set now where you can yeah. hear that. Yeah, it's a it's short, but it's there. It's a little revelation because you know if he had done that, and according to Joyce Mitchell, I'm I'm sure you've heard this interview where she was saying that. Um, Abby was standing there with uh, Joyce and Michael Lang and they were trying to keep him cool because he wanted to go and make a speech during the who's set. And he eventually just broke away from them and just ran out onto the stage. And of course he got what was coming to him. (laughs) (laughs) He got his comeuppance. He did. Did any, did you know who he was? Um. I can't say. I mean, I would have known who Abby Hoffman was. I would have recognized the name. Yeah, that, that's who that was. I'm not sure I would have knew that. No. Yeah, because in the journal that that comes with that box set that you were talking about, did you read? Did you get a copy of the 38 CD? I I have it. I have all the uh, the flak files. I don't have the uh, a hard copy of anything. I'll send you the the pictures I took of the journal. Okay. Because it's really interesting reading. And it just says, um, in fact, I can look at it here, but it says some guy came up. <laughs> and, hold on, I'll, I'll, I'll get it. And then if you guys want to uh, give Jim another question, because, I, of course, I'm monopolizing the conversation because I've waited to talk to you for so long. No. <laughs> well, as long as we're asking 
asking classic keep the dream flowing questions. Did you notice the Ferris wheel? See that? No, I did not. Uh, I can sort of see that. Yeah. 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 I did. I no, I did not. And and my excuse or explanation, if you want, <laughs> if you want, you can use either word. Is so Tony Tony and I arrived on site 10, 10 30 in that Saturday morning. Uh, right. we, we looked. <laughs> We looked in front of us and, and I obviously we had never, ever seen anything like that since either. And uh, we, we sort of started working our way toward the left of the stage and, and found a spot that was big enough for the two of us to put our sleeping bags down and have a seat. And we Great. sort of did that and looked farther down and said, do you think there's another spot like this a little farther down, a little closer? And we somewhat being kind of conservative and worried we said let's just stay here yeah we'll walk down there we won't find a spot we'll come back here and this one will be gone mm -hmm. so uh so we didn't go exploring uh I, I i didn't really know about the bindi bazaar i didn't really know about the hog farm or the uh the carnival up the hill behind us no yeah, <laughs> yeah i was um when i was up there a couple weeks ago uh duke devlin has Barry Levine's picture blown up of the of the of the aerial, and he pointed out to me that the Ferris wheel was all the way up at the top of that picture. Yeah, yeah. When somebody first asked me about that a few years ago, now they said, "Did you know there's a Ferris wheel?" I go, "No, yeah, Ferris wheel. But, you know, there were no rides, but that was just me being me, stupid." I I don't know that the Ferris wheel was ever actually operational. I've heard not one person say that it was actually operational. And, and that's the strange thing about it is that you would think 450,000, you want to use that number, we'll use that number, that sure. there would be some stories. You but, would think. But, we, and we do know it's there. That It's not oh, a yeah. question of whether or not it was there. It was definitely there. But, you know. I didn't, nobody, nobody that I've ever talked to read anything from any anecdotal evidence of anything ever rode the Ferris wheel. So we don't even know, but here's the interesting thing. Um, on Sunday morning in, in this is in the movie um, during um, when Morris is reading the announcements during the breakfast period, mm -hmm. he does say, um, you know, this person meet, I think it's your sister by the Ferris wheel at 12 o'clock. So, Theoretically, the Ferris wheel was still there to be met at. Right, right. Yeah. And that's Sunday morning. So it, it was, you know, shocking that it isn't in a lot more pictures. Yes. Unless well, it came later, you know, but I can't. I, imagine I, I, it must have been there from the beginning. I can't see them bringing it in and setting it up <laughs> along the way. You know. Saturday afternoon. <laughs> After everything that went on, here's the oh, thank God, oh, the Ferris wheel. Well, it's finally here. Thank God. We can get things started now. <laughs> that would have made a great picture if you could take a picture from the top of the Ferris wheel. <laughs> it would be great. great. Oh, my God. Yeah. The, the up against the wall motherfuckers are trying to burn down the food for love. Well, they, oh, they quasi the successfully wheel. did that. Please excuse this interruption. Would those of you who have people behind you please sit? We're sorry for the technical necessities such as the crane and the sound tower, but they uh, are, shall we say, the least of the, uh, of the evils. In a situation such as this, we must return the responsibility to you. We are absolutely helpless without your aid. If those of you who are around and about the scaffolding towers would aid us, It would be appreciated. Again, excuse the interruption. This song is called Gather Round. Gather round and I will tell you of a man who walked alone He met with me one dusty evening 
He could not recall his home And he was not a beggar But people pressed coins in his hand And his skin, it was weathered his eyes full of far foreign lands And he'd eat the food they offered him For the hunger in his soul And the ones who wished him evil it was written on their scroll. He had sought his heart's desire. Winding many a tangled thread Salty tears he drank for water Hopeful thoughts he ate for bread his shoulder was a painted paper heart filled with several thousand reasons why two souls can seem to part for he knew the truth seldom spoke nor written with the ten pens of the hand and he sought not well or glory only wished to understand and he sang of times are coming when all secrets would be known And the stars will sing in the chorus And no soul will walk alone Here we are Here we are here we are, here we stay, here we are, here we are, till the clouds shall roll The, uh, the other thing that's, uh, and I, I am no expert on this, this is another area where I am have to, to learn a lot more, Woodstock Music and Art Fair, there was a lot more art there than, than people realized. But yeah. because for the last 50 years we've talked about so much, and deservedly, the music and the, and the performers and the, and the people there, the, the art kind of got lost. And, and the whole uh, special exhibit at Bethel Woods this year is about the art. Yeah. And there's, there's a whole lot they're finding out. I mean, the whole point of the setup, obviously it got overwhelmed, but the whole point of the way you were supposed to enter the site was by way of the art and the Bindi Bazaar. You were supposed yep. to, that's where the ticket booths 
were supposed to have been. And that's yeah. where everybody would enter. You'd walk through uh, the, you know, the souvenir shop, the, yep. the Bindi Bazaar, and then onto the field. In theory, that's a great a way to do things, you know, uh, in, in so many ways. You, you, you walk out onto the field and, oh, my goodness, you know. But sure. obviously they were a bit overwhelmed uh, and, and short. T- and they only had three weeks, three and a half weeks to get things going. Yeah. Yeah. Here's here's a good question. How insane was Artie's idea to have the girls in the diaphanous gowns walking around asking people to give them money? (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the more insane ideas. We love you, Artie, but (laughs) you love one. I you know, I if if they had passed the bucket somehow, Mm -hmm. it probably would have worked at least somewhat. I mean, because you know that the people would have realized, you know, hell, I'm gonna throw a few bucks in and and that would have done that. But I don't know that you needed to have them half scantily dressed with women. You know? <laughs> yeah, it was very I, 1969. Have the ladies from uh, Incredible String Band walk around and, and collect. Perfect. I'd have given them money. And no, that sounds terrible. But no, I don't mean that. No, I, I understand what you don't mean. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I found this thing in this journal about the who. It says who very most pro group. Fantastic. Pete Townsend is excellent guitar, uh, but tremendous power. And then the next page, it says Keith Moon, best drummer so far. So lightning fast. Daltrey, active and great. Entwistle, inactive, but great. (laughs) Finally, not as expected. Townsend wrecked guitar and threw an audience. Some shithead went on stage during act <laughs> and said some shit about guy that got busted in Michigan. Townsend hit him with guitar, then pushed him off stage. Really neat. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That's that's as good as a description as you're going to get. That is perfect. <laughs> ah, so so you so you go. Oh, and then you come back on Sunday. Do you have any idea by the time you get home, really the significance of what you had just witnessed? Because a lot of people didn't. Well, we I sort of did. Yeah. In this sense, because I guess it's Sunday morning. Yeah. They read the headlines from the papers. Yeah. And and so at that point, you say, wow, this is, you know, if the if the news media has gotten it, then it's bigger than we realized, you know, I mean, you know, it's big where you are, obviously, but when they start reading the Sunday papers from the stage, it's, it's, it was really impressive to hear that. At least it was for me uh, that, that they had made the New York times say. Yeah. You, you got to hear Muscarat reading the, uh... yes, yes. Hey, Neil. (laughs) (laughs) That was a, that was a great interview you guys did with him. I love that one. I couldn't believe it it twice. We had to do it twice because we had, Technical problem, but it was uh, worth it was worth every second to do it twice. Oh, he's great, and he reached out to me on the Woodstock Project board when we were compiling that our version of Woodstock before the official one came out. And he said, "You know, my name is Neil Miller. I'm known as Muskrat. Are there any pictures of me?" And and I told him something he did not know um, just recently. He's actually in the movie in. Uh, on Sunday morning, there's um, when Hugh Romney is making his um, his breakfast, breakfast in, in bed, bed for 400,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a kid that's like throwing a Frisbee or something into the crowd. Muskrat's right next to him. Ah, he's right there. But I mean, you wouldn't have known. Also, he's standing next to Jimi Hendrix on stage in, in <laughs> and he has no recollection of this. Right. Right. Well, you know, that's the thing about any any picture. And I have my 25 or so pictures is that I I I I don't didn't know what I was taking a picture of, in a sense, because, you know, I knew I was taking a picture of the crowd, say, or this thing, say. Sure. But in the background are things that, oh, that's the artist's tent. You know, I didn't know that. I didn't know what that building was. And, oh, that's the hospital tent. I didn't know that it was, you know, but all of these things. That now when I do give these tours and I if people want to stick around at the end of my 45 minute tour, um, 
uh, I'm, I'm famous for my not 45 minute tour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're like me. <laughs> uh, I, I'll show them these slides, but now with an iPad and you can enlarge the picture and point so many things out. All the striped shirts, for example, you can point out, which I, I didn't know that until two years ago. And uh, the, the, there's really only one person who's in charge of, of Bethel Woods Museum. And it, Neil Hitch is, is the current head curator. Yep. I understand that. But we all know in any organization, the secretary is the person who runs the place. Yep. And, Ro and Robin Green, shout out to her. Uh, yeah. she, she, My good she, friend. Yes, she is amazing. And, and she, she was looking at these slides with the group of us one day. And she said, look at all the people with striped shirts on. Now, I've had these slides. I've had these pictures at that point, 50 years, whatever it was. Yep. I, had, I had never noticed that before. No. So, yeah. That's a, well, just, that's a detail. Just, yeah. just to point it out, I know the three of us know it, but I don't know if all our listeners know it. You are a docent at Bethel Woods, and when you're talking about the tours, you give tours at Bethel Woods, and it's luck of the draw as to which volunteer you get. Right. Yes. Uh, that, that's been around, oh, I guess about 10 years now, the docent program. And when I first heard about it, I didn't even know what a docent was, what the word meant. Uh, right. you, you give a tour. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's a pretty rigorous training that uh, you go through because when I first heard about it, I said, well, I was at Woodstock. I know everything, you know. Yeah. But it, you, you're giving a tour of the museum itself. And as you all know already, it isn't a Woodstock museum so much as it's a museum of the 60s. The 60s. Of which Woodstock was a part of, which, and again, if you step back a moment and think about it, and as I had to do because I wasn't thinking, that in order to tell the story of Woodstock the best way it can be told, you have to put it in the context of the time that it happened. And it so that's, that's exactly what the museum uh, does a very good job of doing, and that's what we as docents try to do with the with the guests who are on our tours to tell them the story of the 60s and how that led to this unique event i mean there were a lot of other festivals that summer which i didn't know about until right. i started pursuing this in fact i uh, i know you can't read it and i that's my same line this is a uh, a list of 1969 ah. 1969 festivals oh wow and there are 47 of them besides Woodstock. Just 1969. Just 1969. Wow. Now, I understand <laughs> that they weren't as big as Woodstock. They, they haven't become as famous because they didn't get recorded and they, yeah. didn't, and they didn't get filmed. You know, right. uh, would Woodstock be as famous today? Would we be sitting here today having a discussion like this if it wasn't for the soundtrack and if it wasn't for the film? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know, I, I, agree, yeah. I agree with you. The film was extremely well done. I mean, it won the best documentary for 1970. But, I mean, Monterey Pop was also filmed, but it's not, it, it doesn't, it, it records the music pretty well, but it doesn't do half the job of telling the whole story. Right, right. And the movie does a good job with that, especially the, the newer director's cut. Uh, because it has a lot more uh, more stuff in it. in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the, the movie, um, you know, Andy Zachs, who who, you know, of course, produced yes. the the Woodstock box set. Um, he said that the the uh, de facto um, story of Woodstock, history of Woodstock has been written even for people who were there by the movie and by the soundtrack album. Yes. Right. Which is a brilliant little mini documentary on its own. It's very, very well done. You know, it's not a collection of songs like Woodstock 2, which is as great as it is. It's, you know, it doesn't have that documentary feel that the first soundtrack album does. And that, you know, back in 1970, you couldn't take the movie home with you and watch it at home. You'd take the soundtrack album and, you know, right, right. and that would put those images in your mind, cement them in your mind. So, um, you know, and then some of, of course, you know, we'll get into the weeds with some of the, the books that came out that he thinks are terrible, like Barefoot and Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we as docents have read 
all of those, so to speak, yeah. you know. Um, in fact, one of the recent ones we just read, it isn't a Woodstock book as such, but Lisa Law uh, yep. yeah. was, was doing a movie initially. The idea was to make a movie and interview this was in the late ni- late 80s, early 90s, and interviewed a whole bunch of people that had to do with that time, you know, the, the late 60s. And sure. uh, the movie never turned out, I guess, but she, she put the interviews into a book. And so oh. we've, rec- we've recently read that book of hers. Um, but Interviews with icons? Yes, yeah. With, with a lot of people. One, yeah. Not just Woodstock, as I say, but all other yeah. kinds of people. And... Um, it's 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 25 years later so to speak so you're getting a perspective of things that uh and for example uh timothy (laughs) leary is interviewed and he talks about when he was saying turn on tune in and drop out he really isn't talking about to get high Mm. he he, he meant to to you know to tune into the, the world around you and to you know to get into that well when he said it in, in 67, I think it was 67. We yeah. all knew what he meant. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was trying to couch things a little bit uh, 20 years later. For the, for the more responsible right. thing. When, when the first version of Dale Bell's book on the making of the movie came out, there's a number of times where the question is posed, did we do the right thing by showing all that drug use at Woodstock? Well, yeah, because it was part of the experience right. for a lot of people. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and and speaking of Woodstock, Woodstock Hayes myths, um, of course, the the brown acid was only one variety of bad acid that was at Woodstock. (laughs) (laughs) There was lots of bad acid. It wasn't just brown, but that's the line that everybody remembers. Right. Well, because because it's used in the movie or made with the announcement that becomes the the one way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, but apparently the, the green acid, um, if you listen to the announcements from uh, Saturday night, was a lot more concerning than the brown acid because they just kept going over. You know, it, could you imagine like if you you've been handed, you know, a tab of acid, you don't know what color it is because it's dark. So you take it and then somebody says, if you have partaken or chipmunk says, if you have partaken of the green acid. As soon as as soon as is convenient, go to the hospital tent. You know, like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, that's going to turn a novice off right away. I, I feel for those people, boy. <laughs> yeah, you're in for a long night. So, <laughs> of course, of course, we see how familiar Scott is with acid there. Thanks for clarifying <laughs> that. Of, of the three of us, yes, I'm the, the most thanks, familiar. Thanks for, confirming, <laughs> thanks for confirming our worst fears. <laughs> well, well, full disclosure, neither Tony nor I had ever used any kind of drugs before Woodstock, and nor did we use anything at Woodstock, which is, wow. another, which is another part of, of the story. In the, in the sense that, you know, people will get, everybody was high and, and yeah. th- that, that just not the case, you know, yeah. there, there, I, I took a picture, one of my pictures of the guy, one of the guys in front of me, he had his little hash pipe, which mm-hmm. was just a, a real pipe that was sawed off. So we could, you know, yeah. use it that way. Um, and I took his picture because he was the guy that I yeah. saw using dope, you know, <laughs> oh, take a picture of him. <laughs> the you know? one guy. But, it, well, yeah, the one guy around me. Now, I would have taken another picture if I'd seen somebody, but I didn't. Now, again, yeah. I know there was lots of drug use there. I'm not trying to say there wasn't. But at the yeah. same time, it wasn't universal drug use. Yeah, well, and like any like, more than everybody was swimming nude in Philippine Pond. Sure, exactly. Yeah. You know, that that's yeah, that's yet another myth. You know, I mean, you we've. We know plenty of people did, but sure, sure. You know, you certainly didn't have half a million people in, you yeah. know, <laughs> or even I don't know, even a few thousand people in the pond at any given time. You know, it's not that big of a pond. No, so. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know this until I went a couple of weeks ago. I thought if you look to the, if you're standing on the stage and look to your left, there's a waterway that goes mm-hmm. down. What is that? Herd Road. West Shore. West Shore. Shore Yeah. It goes down West Shore Road. I thought that was Filipinos Pond. No, Filipinos Pond is like behind the stage. It is. A bit. And because when I was watching the movie, I'm like, 
wait a minute, they're all in this like really big body of water. I was like, uh, did they walk to White Lake? Where'd they go? Yeah. All right. Well, the, the picture on the front of Rolling Stone magazine, the, the yeah. one that came out shortly after Woodstock, yep. uh, of the I'm going to say father and a son. I don't know if they actually were father and son, but the Probably. adult man. Yeah, I would think so. And the, and yeah. the younger child that was taken <laughs> in the stream you're talking about. Right. That wasn't in Filipini Pond. That was taken down the road uh, at the uh, Gabriel Farm. Is that where that little waterfall was? Yes. Yes, you see all the you'd see lots of pictures of the people yeah. standing in the waterfall. Must have been nice, but it was so. probably a mill pound way long, long time ago. Yeah, sure. Because actually, if you look at the movie in the in the um, long time gone sequence, the beginning of the movie, there's actually a a kind of establishing shot of the stage from the top of the hill. And if you look in the back, there's the pond there, but you would not necessarily think about it unless you knew it was there. Cause I'm, I'm with Jack on this one. Like for a long time, I thought that it was that waterway, but mm -hmm. it wasn't. So I had to be forcibly corrected back before the museum <laughs> was open. <laughs> when, um, when Vassmer's general store was still there back in those ah, days. Okay. And there was a woman named Debbie who was the uh, partner of Arthur Vassmer's daughter. And she said, no, that's not where the pond is. The, you know, stupid. The pond's back there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's a, that's an easy mistake. That's an easy mistake. Yeah, sure. No, she was kind of kidding, but you know, you know, the, this is, you know, the, these are the things. This is the sort of forcible correction that I need. Right. <laughs> well, the other thing that I'm I'm trying to learn more about myself right mm. now is Max Yasger, Max Yasger, Max Yasger. Yep. No problem. He's yeah. the man. Obviously, he's number one, top of the pyramid, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. But there were other farmers who rented to Woodstock Ventures. Yes. You know, and 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 you don't hear much about them. And I I would I not that I'm looking for a, a, a story about them, but I'd like to know who are these other farmers, you know, who are yeah. the other people that helped make Woodstock happen. That's my point. Well Philip Peter yeah. for one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because they they actually I mean they weren't necessarily trespassing there. That property was was rented out to them. So yes. You know, I mean, there were, you know, I would I would think and I've thought about this before that the other farmers almost certainly after Woodstock deliberately kept a very low profile because they didn't want the to deal with the animosity that Max and Miriam yeah, got heaped sure, on them. Sure. Right, right. You know, they were, you know, Max and Miriam were all but run out of Bethel, like if they could have been, you know, by by just these pretty spiteful cl the clarence townsends of the world <laughs> oh yeah that the clarence that i've been looking for relatives and i was about to say that i'm glad you mentioned him scott for those yeah. who don't know if you've seen the woodstock movie there's a guy fussing they approach him he and his wife are working on a car sir is this your property it sure as hell is. don't you live here <laughs> yeah. i sure as hell do <laughs> and they ask him some questions and he says, I'll sum it up for you in plain English. A damn shitty mess. Yeah, it's a shitty mess. I have been looking for relatives of his to get on this show. Uh, do, do you know of any, Jim? No, I was going to ask that. No, I, I, I would be surprised if he ever bred. <laughs> <laughs> but when I was a child, that I mean, I'm talking, I don't know, I might have been 10 or 11 when I saw the movie, and I didn't understand it. I remember that guy fussing and bitching about that, and that was the thing that got, you know, that that was the thing that stuck with me. And then I learned his name years later. I think he died in, like, 86 or okay. something. Mm. But, yeah. yeah. One of my pictures is of some locals selling hot dogs and soda. Uh, yeah. on, on 17B. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm, whenever I do show those photos at the end of my tours, I hope that there's somebody on the tour who's relatively local. And, yeah. oh, that's my grandfather, right. my uncle, whoever. Because yeah. I'd love to find out who those people are because yeah. they're definitely locals. They, didn't, they aren't people yeah. who came from outside and set up a stand on the road. Um, sure. I'm, well, I'm, 
I'm saying I'm sure. I'm I'm not absolutely sure, but right. I would say that's who they were. Because I remember <laughs> Tony and I, I remember we didn't bring food. Yeah. So uh, we look at the hot dogs and the sodas. We ask how much they're going to be. And they said a dollar and a dollar. Mm-hmm. Now, in 1969, that was spend, a lot of money. spending yeah. a buck for a dog and a buck for a soda. Right. Was, I, I'm not going to buy spend a, two bucks for yeah. a soda. And we'll yeah. buy we'll buy food inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah. the kind of stuff since I've been, you know, Scott started it and Jack joined and I joined last. That's those are the kind of things I enjoy doing this, you know, trying to find people like that. Like oh, the he guy, has like, binder on. Yes. Yeah, Lenny the was great. Butter, the yep. peanut butter jelly sandwich like. Right. I lo- I love I mean, you know, everybody is going to know the performers or at least, you know, what band they perform with but i like to find the people that weren't or we all do not just me rather but we we like to interview people that you know were like you call the proverbial little people but but their stories are huge oh absolutely that's why you know we enjoy talking to them but i i've I've come to find those people are not easy to locate (laughs) right well, one of the one of the drives at the at Bethel Woods now is to try to get as many oral histories mm-hmm. of yeah. anyone, you know, uh, and, right. and even if it's like, I only remember two things. That's two more things than we might know now. Yeah, or it might exactly. be two things that we didn't know. Yeah. So um, they, they would anybody who's listening to this, if, if you have any kind of a story or any, any the smallest memory. Contact yeah. Bethel Woods and 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 set up a time where you can have a phone conversation with them. They they are they really really want to hear from as many people as possible. Not just necessarily at the event, but associated yeah. with the event in any right. way. Yeah, we've we've heard from people. People will reach out to me um, and say, "I want to come on the show and tell my story and all that stuff." And that's great because you know there's yeah you know a half million plus stories out there, you know, and um, you know, the thing about as much as we love the musicians and and God knows we do. um, The thing about the musicians is they've been telling this, as I was explaining to my wife, they've been telling the same stories for 50 plus years. And after a while, as I well know from myself, you know, you tell the same story over and over again, that gets to be the story, you know, and you tend to forget or, throw by the wayside anything else simply simply because time has a way of doing that right and um but to get these other stories you know they're they're really interesting like steve brown and his pajamas you know (laughs) the only the only member of the woodstock crowd to bring his own pajamas and actually wear them so (laughs) that we know that That we know know. well the last picture i took before Tony and I left, I guess it would have been around, it was Sunday afternoon, is of the woman with the huge white afro. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and sitting next to her was a kid with a yeah. headband on. And when I tell my story, I say, and this kid here is the smartest guy at Woodstock. Why is he the smartest guy at Woodstock? I say, well, look at the picture. He's sitting in a car seat that he pulled out of the back of his Jeep. <laughs> and dragged it onto the field. So this is the only guy at Woodstock, 450,000, yeah. who had a seat. The smartest, <laughs> guy, the smartest guy at Woodstock. It's genius. I never thought of that. Geez, I could have stayed there, you know, if I had a little car seat, too. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. He, he could stretch out and take a nap. Uh, and, uh-huh. and this was a legitimate car seat, not what they put infants in. No, no, this no, is- no. That's a car seat of the car. It's it's the whole seat of the car. Can you imagine dragging that thing over? (laughs) I hope he was close. (laughs) Hope he got there early too. Really, (laughs) he really wasn't that close. So I don't know. (laughs) No, (laughs) but yeah. So we, you know, we're we're trying to collect all these stories, and actually, that's why I've been wanting to get you on here for so long because you you've been collecting all these stories too. I mean, you, you know, you're you're the Woodstock expert. See, we just sort of follow in your shadow. Well, I I appreciate you saying that, but there are many more people, and and probably <laughs> if 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 I am, and I'm not sure I am, more knowledgeable than you guys, 
you're you're catching up very very quickly. I mean, <laughs> I I cannot believe how many interesting interviews you've had. It's it's I love listening to them because I I didn't know I didn't I, I keep on saying that I I take a walk and I listen to your podcast and I didn't know that you know so it's it's really worthwhile stuff you guys are doing. It's oh, inv- oh yeah, we, we find it's out things all the time. Sure. I mean, we had. Mick Valenti on from the quarry who told us that the kids posing with his drum set on the Woodstock two album were Ken Babs kids. Who knew? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Except for Ken Babs. And, and, and maybe Scott he is, and maybe he, he, he may know. not know either. <laughs> and Scott is friends with Ken Babs. That I made am. Yeah. Even, that made it even more crazier. Yeah. Babs. I, I have to get Babs on the show because yeah. one of my favorite moments of Woodstock is his, you know, his tripped out, you know, patter before and during the, the dead. Grateful Dead's. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what must have felt to, to the dead like three hour set, but it was probably yeah. <laughs> just an hour well, and a half. Again, full disclosure, I fell asleep for the dead. Did so. you? <laughs> <laughs> but, then, but then my next line on my tours is who hasn't? <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you. And I've told this story on the show before. The first time I got dosed with acid was at my first Grateful Dead show. And I will tell you that it enhanced the experience considerably. I don't know that I would have been a fan without it. So uh, that tells you something about well, <laughs> not knowingly. I, did, I got I got actually dosed. But but um, I wanted to read here from that journal again about. The Dead. It's a mountain. Best group yet. Grateful Dead. Screw around. Orca's bad PA. Jazz, but not enough to be good. And too much very soft music. (laughs) Uh, Well, he wasn't a deadhead then. You can tell that from from his description. That's it. But yeah, I've I've had this on the show a bunch of times, and you've you've yeah. all heard me say it. But my one of my absolute top five favorite moments, maybe my favorite moment of Woodstock, is right after the Grateful Dead finished yeah. their set, and somebody yells, "You guys know more than two songs." <laughs> <laughs> shut up, man! Yeah, shut up, man! <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I tell so I tell great. my dead story too. The first time I saw them was in Syracuse in, it's got to be 1984. Yeah. And it was, I went to Syracuse University for a spell. And from my dorm room, you could see the herd of deadheads massing. And it's like <laughs> all these, you know, the great unwashed come to Syracuse. Yep. And then I went to see the show and it was five guys tuning up for four hours. <laughs> The band opened up. There, it was like the band had just gotten back together, and this was one of their first shows back. And yep. they opened up, and they were great. And then seeing the, and every time I tell this story to a deadhead, they're like, "Man, Jerry was sick back then." Yeah, like, uh, right, whatever. And then, and then of course, I saw him a couple of years later when they played with Dylan at Giant Stadium, and they were fabulous. Yeah. Now they'd be well, you know, they're the ultimate good nights, bad nights, and. You know, in 69, they were really riding a wave, but boy, oh boy, did the wheels come off the bus at Woodstock. I I mean, actually, I don't think it's as bad as as everybody says it is. Yeah, I I don't either. One of my outlaw posts has to do with that. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Because if if you compare, you have to keep in mind two things. One, it was a festival set. Yep. And a festival set is not a regular concert set yep it's not a film and the the other thing is yes it was disrupted and and i'm not trying to argue that it wasn't Mm -hmm. but when you know the turn on your love light was was really pretty good i thought so you know so i I thought mama tribe mama tribe sounded good to me they they put that over sure and there were you know even the dark star wasn't that bad but the you know the the last I don't know, six, seven minutes of love light, I think stand up there with the best of anything that they did. Cause you know, I think they're playing really hard because they're just so relieved that it's over that they just, they <laughs> well, really especially just push after it. going through 32 minutes of love light. By yeah, exactly. Yeah. Before you get there, <laughs> but you know, they also had one of the longest sets at Woodstock, I think. Right. Yeah. The, well, with, Hendrick, with, with their, 
interruption. That's true. Yeah. yeah. If you take the you take that 12 minutes out or whatever it is, right. yeah, it's not quite as long, but the the airplane played for almost two hours. Hendrix yeah. played for about two hours. Um Cocker played a Joe Cocker played a pretty long set. Right. Um Richie Havens other, did not Richie Havens did not play for three hours. Three hours. Another one stock Okay, so what do you attribute that to? Because he was telling that story by the yeah. time Barefoot and Babylon was being written. Yeah. So. I, I I mean I, I could certainly see how it would have felt like he had, you know, played all that time. Yeah. Um and 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 I don't know whether the soundtrack that we hear now of the entire of his entire set was there anything any gaps that we aren't hearing that yeah. would have would have extended the time that he was on stage i don't know that it, it doesn't seem like there was that much time that he had extra besides what we're hearing and well, just we're also we we on the woodstock uh, message board that scott alluded to before we went back and forth about the timing of it because we know Richie Haven started at 507. Yep. And we know, and I think sunset was at eight o'clock that night. Yeah. And you had Sweetwater, who was playing in daylight. Bert Summer. You had um, Bert Summer. Swami. Bert Summer was, was on Friday yeah. night, too. Right. Yep. He was and in daylight. The Swami I mean, was in daylight. Swami Sachinandanda was in daylight, although he was relatively short. Mm-hmm. Well, his 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 speech was relatively short. The man wasn't that <laughs> short. <laughs> I have um, seven. I have seventeen minutes for Sri Swami Sachinandanda. Seven okay. seventeen minutes. Seventeen a, minutes. But you add up all that. Um, he couldn't have played. Know, he couldn't have played three hours and gotten everybody else in daylight. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Bert Summer was playing around sunset. By my oh. count. Yep. Yeah. So he said 730 is my why what I have. Yeah, there's there. I know there's a um, a film. They they shot film of um, a couple of more songs that didn't make the movie. One was, um, I believe, and when it's over and one is smile. And um, Bill Rush, who is the archivist for Warner Brothers, who works on film outtakes for Woodstock, he he told me that you know, smile is pretty dark because it's kind of in the moment between where the stage lights are able to illuminate the stage, but they don't, they're not really on. And so, you know, he, he's playing it, but he's kind of playing it in deepening shadow, I guess. Okay. okay. So, which, which makes sense. So by the time Tim Harden comes on, it's dark. Yeah. Yes. Which adds to the mystery, <laughs> the mystery of his mysterious set. Right. Yeah. Right. Would you would you mind Misty Roses? You look to me like Misty Roses. Too soft to touch But too lovely To leave alone If I could be If I could be like Mysterious Roses I love you much You're too lovely Not to try Flowers often cry But too late to find That their beauty has has been lost with their peace of mind. You look to me like love. 
And that's our show. Keep the Dream Flowing, a Woodstock 1969 podcast was produced and edited by Scott Parker. Your hosts were Jack Lekensky, Johnny Hudson, and Scott Parker. Keep the Dream Flowing, a Woodstock 1969 podcast has a Facebook page where you can catch up on all the latest Woodstock hullabaloo. Keep the Dream Flowing, a Woodstock 1969 podcast is not affiliated in any way with Woodstock Ventures or any of its individual partners or entities. On behalf of Jack Lekensky and Johnny Hudson, this is Scott Parker saying thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time.